Ray, the seventh Aliyah um, brings us to a review of a number of things that we've dis- that the Torah has touched on again before. The first one is Bachar, the rules of the firstborn animal. Um, and that is that includes the fact that the that the firstborn animal is given to the coin and the coin is allowed to eat it. Um, the the interesting feature over here is that we're told that you are supposed to give it and it's supposed to be eaten in the first year, but but if it didn't happen immediately in that first year, you can still do it later. Um, and of course, we're reminded that that the um, that blemishes can disqualify it and would change through all the rules. But there are specific limitations that are that are learned out by a unique system that the Torah has called klal upratu klal. When the Torah says things generally. And then it specifies, and then it has a generality again. That's a system the Torah uses, which is employed over here to tell us specifically visible and permanent blemishes would disqualify it. And again, the Torah reviews and reminds us that even though the Kohen can eat it, the rules of the prohibitions of blood do apply over here. And that is a, a bit of a review of the rules of the firstborn animal gifted to the Kohen. The Torah then, um, as we're in the Torah portions that we, uh, like we mentioned, are read on the holidays over here, reviews some of the facts, some of the specialties of the Pesach, Shavuos, and Sukkot, the three festivals, some of the things about them. The first note, which is very relevant over here, and Rashi points it out, is that the Torah calls it Chod, it tells us that the Pesach happens B'chodesh Ha'aviv, um, it has to be in the spring, and Sukkot is in the Zman Ha'asif, the time of your harvesting. This is, as Ra- like Rashi points out, an impetus for our, our what we call leap year system, where we have to make sure that the holidays are falling out in the period called spring and fall. So therefore we have to ensure that our calendar doesn't fluctuate, doesn't move off of the seasons. In the discussions of Pesach, we're told that of course the Paro, in the middle of the night, when the plague of the firstborns happened, told the Jews they could leave, they did not leave until the middle of the day. The Torah famously says that we were rushed and we didn't have time to cook our our matzahs. Rashi over here says, what was the rush? We weren't in a rush at that point. The rush, the pressure was actually chipazon dimitrim, was the pressure was from the mitzrim. They wanted us to get out of there. Now, when we eat the carbon Pesach, we're, we're reminded, of course, it needs to be specifically roasted, not cooked. And as we eat it with the matzah, it will remind us of the coming out of mitzrim. We call the matzah lechem oni. Um, oni is a word that has many implications over here. Rashi describes it as inoy, as pain, because we're supposed to remember what happened and how we had to leave Mitzrayim. The carbon Pesach that we do, the, the uh, Paschal lamb that's, uh, that we eat and that's offered in the temple um, through, for all the generations has the same rules, more or less, of the, of, the, of the lamb in Mitzrayim, in Egypt, and therefore it has to be roasted and it has to be eaten specifically by midnight. So as Rashi points out over here in these verses, we have a note of the fact that on, in the afternoon, after six halachic hours of the day, we're, we're told, okay, now slaughter it, now shecht it, prepare it. At night, eat it, but by but by midnight, it becomes what's called nosar leftovers, and will have to be burned when the holiday, um, when it's no longer primary holiday, but intermediate chol hamoed days of the holidays. Interestingly, over here, we're again reminded that the carbon pesach, this offering, needs to be eaten when you're full, and you might have a whole group of people eating it together, and therefore we have what's called the chagiga offering that's eaten with it. Many times brought many offerings, many chagiga offerings, which don't have the time pressure to eat them. 
but allowed everyone to have more food so that the Paschal lamb offering was um, was enjoyed was enjoyed um, was enjoyed specifically in small amounts and everyone could have a piece. Now there is another thing that comes out over here which is Rashi's opinion, Rashi's famous opinion that there's only an obligation to eat matzah on the first night of Pesach. The other times it's not an obligation but a mitzvah, meaning one who does eat matzah any day throughout Pesach fulfills a commandment but is not obligated and therefore the eating of matzah at the Seder becomes extremely, extremely important. There's a clear obligation. The Torah moves on to Shavuos, um, which of course are the seven weeks we count right after Pesach. And the Torah over here again reminds us, as it does when discussing Sukkot, that you are blessed. And because you are blessed, you need to take care of those who, who need it. And while you do that, remember, you had a time in your life and in your history when you were needy. Take care of those who are needy and I'll take care of you. And of course, when you come to the temple, never come empty handed. Never come to visit without a, as a guest without a gift. You come to Hashem, to his Beis Hamikdash on the festivals, you bring a gift. And what should the gift be? Kibir Kas Hashem each person appropriate to the blessings that Hashem has given them, and therefore it varies. Everybody has to know what is their family size, what is their income size, what's appropriate for them to give as a gift. And But that's the expectation. You come to Hashem to visit, you bring a gift, you don't come empty-handed, and you say, thank you, Hashem, we're so happy to be here at the base of Migdash visiting with you.